So we're back on the Easton Podcast with myself, George Tekmachov, and Steve the Big Cat Anderson, who is live in Shanghai. Good morning uh, in Shanghai there, Steve. Good morning. How was yes, it? Tri- good afternoon to you. Yeah. How was the trip? Um, you know, typical of any Chinese trip. You, uh, you fly, you start your day early, fly overnight, and land in China about 7, 8 p.m., go to bed about 9, wake up at 1 a.m., and you're pretty much screwed the rest of the day. Yeah, you've got to stay awake the whole rest of the time or you're going to be in so much trouble. Yep. <laughs> All right, so how's the how's the uh, venue? How's the conditions looking over there? Uh, it's been a bit windy first couple days, so uh, getting ready to shoot qualification here in a few hours, and they're saying probably similar forecast today. The uh, smog isn't as bad as normal. You can actually see some blue skies. But that's nice. That's thanks to the wind. That's good. Well, that's good and bad then. Um, you know, I've been to Shanghai many times, uh, and you know, I know this is not your first time at the rodeo. Uh, turnout is a little lighter this year for this particular event, but uh, uh, in a few minutes, we're going to talk to Greg Easton, our uh, esteemed leader, and he's going to fill us in on what's going on with the World Cup for Salt Lake, which is looking up. It's it's looking like it's going to be pretty solid turnout here. Yeah. Yeah, things are uh, not quite on par with the Olympic year, but that's to be expected. Well, yeah, it's always a little bit down in terms of overall turnout from, you know, because a lot of the various countries, their budgets are geared up around the Olympic Games. So, right. you know, it's just one of those things that uh, is very normal in a non-Olympic, mostly after Olympic year. Uh, some of those countries out there are resetting their goals and getting ready for Tokyo 2020. Uh, which seems like it's a long way away, but it'll be here very quickly. Yeah, unfortunately, time seems to pass by pretty quick these days. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> no uh, no bugs, no no problem? Nothing, you didn't eat something that disagreed with you? Not yet, no. All right, well, that's good. <laughs> Plenty of opportunities still ahead as Steve and I record this. Uh, it is uh, currently the 16th of May, uh, 17th where you are right now. So it's Wednesday morning where you are, and you're about to start uh, uh, your qualification round later today. So you know we'll correct. We'll, it, people will be able to follow all of this this week uh, at enseo i a n s e o dot net, which has all of the results. And then um, you know when Steve gets back here, we'll maybe have a little bit of time for maybe one more quick podcast, and uh, then you're off to another event right afterward. Yeah, we actually won't. I go <clears throat> from here to Japan to Florida, then I'm back for two days. We'll get you on the okay. phone, and we'll get you on the phone in Florida too. That works. I think that might be easier. You're gonna love Japan, as I mentioned in the previous podcast. So I, I hope you're looking forward to that. Absolutely. All right. Well, Steve, uh, what we're gonna do right now is uh, take a a moment here and switch gears, and we're gonna have a chat with Greg Easton. Good morning, George. I'm glad to be here with you. So you're at the uh, National Archery in the Schools uh, program, and uh, they're national indoor. I heard that something on the order of twelve to 15,000 kids have participated in this event this year. That's, uh, that's right, George. The number I'm hearing, being here is 14,000 kids. They have 500 targets, so they've got 1,000 kids on each line, and the lines are about 45 minutes long, and so they just roll through these kids all all day long and it's great to see i've never been to the nationals here i've been to some of the other smaller tournaments but it's a lot of fun to see these kids they travel in from 
literally all over the U.S., including as far away as places like Alaska, to shoot this tournament. And they're all excited to be here, and uh, it's really fun to fun to see them here. You know, the um, the NASP program, which has been around for more than a decade and a half now, um, Mark Pizzoni likes to say that one of the th- reasons he really enjoys it is he really feels it's changing people's lives. And, you know, that sounds that sounds very kumbaya, but it's real, isn't it? You know, uh, G- George, I would say yes, it, it absolutely is. That's one of their taglines is uh, changing kids' lives one hour at a time. You see these kids here engaged in what they're doing. I've seen a number of the surveys. They do a survey each year of the, of the kids coming through the program and and some of the teachers and get a lot of reports back that kids are more engaged at school and like what they're doing and have really found something that engages them. So you see that reports. But the first hand last night, I, ha- I arrived and had dinner with Mackenzie Brown. She was here with um, with uh, the Easton Company and USA Archery brought her out to sign autographs. And she was saying what a long day she had because she had a big long line all day long of uh, kids getting to sign her autographs. Um, and I asked her for her story, and, and she said, and I've told a lot, a lot today, but I'll be happy to tell it again. And oh, yeah, please. She actually, she actually, her objective, she wanted to become, she wanted to go to the Olympics as a swimmer. So she was a, a swimmer and got exposed to NAS in her school, shot some in the NAS program, decided she wanted to go to the state, got, wanted to go to the state tournament, did that, finished first in her class, and would have also uh, been first in the next class up of the, of the age kids, and... Uh, decided that she could go to the Olympics uh, with archery after she didn't even know archery was, you know, kind of in the Olympics when she first started shooting NAS, but figured that out and told her dad, you know, dad, I, I you know, still want to go to the Olympics, but I want to try to get in there through archery. And as we all know, she did. And uh, she, she said she was, she was the first kid that started in NASP and ended up in the Olympics. So I think that's changing somebody's life. Yeah. And, and the other kids get to see that and see that real world example of a terrific person having, set her goals and, and having carried them out. Mackenzie's a great representative for our sport. But, you know, it's yeah. actually, it, it doesn't seem like it's actually the, the mission of NASP to create Olympians as much as it is just to get a bow and arrow into the hands of kids and, and have a safe experience and, and give them something to, maybe maybe they're not the best baseball player in the school or the best, you know, uh, floor hockey player, but they can pick up a bow, anybody can. Um, heck, you and I can, so, you know, that's proof. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They're not. They're not trying to. They're not trying to make Olympians. They're not trying to make bow hunters. They're not trying to do anything else. What they're trying to do is give those kids something that they can engage with, uh, with some effort, do well at, and figure out a way to get them to be, uh, uh, you know, have that have develop that focus, which is what archery takes. Uh, you know, today, uh, so many people, we are all are all all people are engaged with. Uh, social media and videos and a lot of things that are, are changing fast and it's kind of affecting our attention spans and archery is something that helps you. Uh, I got to concentrate and through all this, these arrows and this end and the whole, the whole tournament. And I think that's great for them and they're, they're accomplishing that. And, you know, if nothing else, what I like is it, it gets, it gets people more involved with archery than the traditional you've had it said to you. I'm sure anybody else has, has ever said they've been archery is, Oh yeah, I shot archery one time when I was 12 years old in summer camp. I hit myself and in the arm. <laughs> hit myself in the arm, and that was the beginning and the end of their archery experience. And I always think, I'm like, well, that's that's too bad. Well, you know, we got a whole, we had generations of kids coming up that had a better experience with archery, competed potentially either at a local 
you know, at the school, at the at the regional, at the state level, or even at the national level. So when they get again that opportunity to get exposed to or, or involved with archery, I think it's a much more natural thing for them to say, "Well, yeah, I've, I've done that before, and I got to learn, relearn it, but I could do it again." So I think that's long term. I, I hope it. I, I believe it has a, a, a positive. Well. I think it can have nothing but a positive impact on archery. I mean, getting more people involved and exposed to the sport and here at an event like this is it's only good for it. Um, you know, and from an industry standpoint, we obviously hope that they choose something to do that takes them past mass, whether it's 3D or bow hunting or target archery or any number of the disciplines, traditional archery, something that uh, get, keeps them interested and, and keeps them involved in archery. Yeah. So, you know, one of the aspects of uh – of having archery in the schools, of course, is that, you know, the purpose of school is academia, is to is to learn. And NASP has created an archery um, connection to that with what they call their um, their program. Academic archer. The academic yep. archer, yeah. yeah and it's, so it's, a East, it's the Easton Academic Archer. Easton, the company, sponsors that. And my understanding uh, that each school sets their uh, their own criteria of what uh, what grade point average they need to uh, be considered an academic archer. I'm assuming by kind of looking at their demographics of their population. And yes, each year there's more of those kids here. They come by the Eastern booth, take their picture in front of the academic archer sign, and it really has a has another you know another reason to stay involved with archery is because of uh you know they can hold that grade point average and get that other distinction of being that academic archer yeah and last week our colleague uh carrie garrett uh who works with nas pretty closely she mentioned that that number was up to nineteen thousand participants which is just mind-boggling wow yeah that's uh that's great and then you know nas nas uh indicates they have somewhere between two and i think two and a half or 2.2 million kids per year in their program you know countrywide so uh you know there's a lot of kids out there that that could qualify for those those nasp uh uh nasp uh, academic archer designation so that's that's great all right well i hope you enjoy the uh the nasp tournament there i'm going to shift gears on you here for a moment and talk about a big event that's upcoming here in salt lake city that you're very um directly involved with and of course that is the the World Cup, um, which would by that point be the third leg of the World Cup, um, after the event taking place uh, in Shanghai and then in Antalya, Turkey. So the Salt Lake World Cup, thats uh, it's, it's back in Utah. It is, yes. We're coming up here in June 18th through the 25th in, in Salt Lake. And yes, we, we bid for the uh, for organizing that event, uh, as, as probably some of your listeners know, but for those who don't, the uh, World Cup of Archery is a circuit that's put on by World Archery. Usually has four legs uh, in the circuit during the season, and then a finals or fifth leg, or called the finals, uh, where the art athletes uh, earn points to uh, go to that finals event, and which is when they where they win the can win some big money there at the finals. And we are, as George said, the third leg. It's great to have it back here in uh, in Utah and in the United States. We also hosted this event in. Um, 2010, 11, and 12, and the U.S. archers did very well. You know, it's kind of a home court advantage. They don't have the jet lag and as much travel. I think they, they like like shooting here, so the U.S. archers did well, which was uh, you know is a, is a benefit of doing it, but uh, also really got a lot of uh, people here in Utah. They're in Utah exposed to archery because people came and volunteered and helped out. But uh, we're 
we're excited about that. We're going to we're, we're excited because we're hosting it at the Easton Foundation Archery Center there in Salt Lake City. One of the thoughts in building that center was to be able to have this type of event there. We've had big events, internet, uh, inter, uh, sorry, national events and other things, but nothing quite this uh, this big. So we're looking forward to hosting that event and, and showing off that center to really all of the, all the people around the world that come to this event. There are, as of last week, 44 teams or countries registered, uh, 330 athletes and about 130 officials. So we've got 460 or so people coming in. The, the, we'll still get some more registrations here before we before we get done with it. But uh, it will be. Uh, we're looking forward to having an exciting event there at the there at the Archery Center, and would want to go ahead and extend an invitation to all of your podcast listeners that it's a it's a great opportunity. To, come out and see that event uh, we need we do need volunteers so if you are nearby or want to come in we'd love to put you to work and helping to host those people from around the world our uh, our organizing committee has always had the highest ranks on the events we've we've won and a lot of that is the hospitality of the people and the volunteers that help out and uh, make that a comfortable event for the folks so please uh please take a look at uh, probably the easiest place to see it is esdf.org so that's eastern sports development foundation esdf.org and right on the front page there they've got a volunteer for the world cup and that takes you to the world cup site and uh, you can learn all about it there and uh, we, we hope uh, hope people will come and if you don't want to volunteer but you want to come see it we have on the weekend there of the what will be the 24th and 25th of finals and uh, we'll have be having an archery festival so there'll be activities for kids and adults to shoot uh the archery skeet and other other archery kind of games and food and face painting and all kinds of things. So we're really trying to make it a, a thing where people will come for come for the day and enjoy the fest- festivities and then also watch uh, some of the World Cup finals right there on the same site. So uh, how much are you guys charging for the uh, tickets for the finals? The uh, it's going to be a ticket for the archery fest, and we are still setting the price, but it's going to be very affordable. Something just uh, I think we said ten dollars for the family type of event, so you can bring four people on that ticket. Don't quote me on that, but uh, <laughs> uh, we it, it's a it'll be inexpensive. We're just trying to manage how many people come into the venue, so we want to charge a little bit that can help. Uh, help uh, pay for all the all the effort to put all those events on well when you consider that you're getting a world-class archery event for the entire day and you're you know it's a very reasonable price i think that's a fantastic opportunity you know the uh Uh, we're also excited about it because uh, world archery struck struck a deal with uh, nbc sports to pick up the world championships one leg of the world cup and the world cup finals and they're picking up the salt lake city leg so we will be on one of the NBC channels. I don't know which one it is yet, but we broadcast on uh, on NBC, which will be great for Salt Lake and the event, but also obviously for archery to expose them to archery. Well, that's big news. I didn't know about that. That's really tremendous. Yeah, we're we're excited about that. And, that, for sure. and that'll culminate with the World Championship, uh, which is taking place in Mexico City. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. The world the World Cup final is in. Berlin, if I remember correctly, and yes, the World Championships will be in Mexico City. Wow, that's great! Right, uh, yep, yeah, right up against the uh, right up against the Congress there. So yeah, well, as we speak right now, the uh, the IOC, um, the committee of the IOC that goes and evaluates what they call the Evaluation Commission that evaluates sites for the Olympic Games is in Los Angeles. 
Um, and later they'll be going to Paris to check out that site. Those are the two finalists for the Olympic Games. Do you have any uh, opinions as to uh, as to which of those two you'd like to see happen? <laughs> well, uh, yes, I would. I'd love to see Los Angeles get it. It's uh, a little over thirty years ago when they did the uh, games in nineteen eighty four. My my first Olympics, I was involved with. Uh, with not with the archery venue per se, but with just the organizing of the of the games and caught the caught the bug for the Olympic spirit there. And now, now you, you, I actually have photos of you running the torch, so you're being modest. Here. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I ran. Yeah, well, I ran, yeah, ran the torch. Did a lot of a lot of fun things, but uh, LA did a great job. Uh, I don't think anybody would argue that from a standpoint of uh, organizing the games, making it a financial success, all of the things that the IOC really wants and and needs in a games um and uh looking through their bid book and talking to them about what 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 they have planned and what's exciting about la is they really they've got all the venues they need they don't have to add or really build any venues including the village uh when they did in 1984 they split the village between the uh, usc and ucla and uh this year uh when they get the bid in 2024 they'll be able to host the entire village on the UCLA campus, they've you know added a bunch of student housing, but some really nice student housing, and so the whole, the basically the campus will be the village, which is great. They don't have to uh, build something, which a lot of a lot of cities do, and then they have to get it done all at the same time, and it's always a big strain on them. So I, I think from a an execution standpoint, potentially a profitability standpoint, LA is a is a great a great choice for them, and uh, yeah, the, like you said, the evaluation committee's there, and I'm hoping they hoping they see all the all the great things that L.A. can do. And on top of that, I think they're really also pushing L.A., just their uh, innovation, if you will, whether it's you think about what L.A. and Hollywood does in entertainment and promoting events and, and, the, and the things they can do. Uh, you know, they get some of that talent applied towards driving this effort and promoting the games and getting both uh, locals involved and international people. It's, uh, they can do a, a fantastic job, so I'd, I'd love to... I'd love to see Los Angeles get it. Yeah, well, you know, the uh, 84 games, of course, were an important part of our company's history, uh, the Easton Company, with your dad, Jim Easton, having been mayor of the Olympic Village and, and the chairman of the technology for the games and also, of course, the chairman of the archery competition. So uh, there's, a, there's a real close tie uh, to the Easton family and the Easton companies with the Olympic Games in Los Angeles. So hopefully sure. uh, things will work out. If not in 2024, then the rumor is that they might go ahead and designate for 2028 at that time. But I, I think we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, I guess. Yes. Yeah, that's a, an interesting sidebar going on there. And it'll be, it'll be, it'll be a, a unique time to see what see what the IOC decides to do with the, with regard to that. Yes, you know, in our last podcast, Steve Anderson and I were discussing, you know, what's going on with the games, and you know, there's a there's a lot of expense uh, associated with the games in normal circumstances. With LA, the the big advantage, as you pointed out, is venues are already there. But uh, I think one of the things underscored by maybe the Rio games and perhaps Athens is perhaps the need to dial back some of the spending and. One of the thoughts was, you know, and you've heard this before from others, that uh, maybe permanent venues, rotating venues would be the way to go in the future. It'll be interesting to see how things shake out in the next decade or so. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. There's a lot of uh, different ideas floating around about how uh, the, uh, the IOC put forward their Agenda 2020 and one of the, one of the uh, 
items in there was uh, you know basically that the sustainability the how do we how do we find cities that have more of the venues in place and not building things that then aren't used and, and put too big of a burden on the city so that's been a big push for the city but i would agree the looking at how they even do the bidding process and as you mentioned perhaps they're awarding more than one games or something like that so if a city does build they can get a couple of uses out of it it would be a different another yet another way to look at it so yeah a lot of a lot of a need for some updating there it'll be interesting to see how aggressive they get okay well greg i'm going to want to get you back on the podcast not too long before the start of the uh, salt lake event or during the salt lake event and sure. uh you know, really looking forward to having all those international shooters. One of the things about that Easton Center is international shooters seem to love it. We've had teams from around the world, like Japan, come in and use it because it's so convenient to the airport, so convenient to um, hotels. There's so many places to stay nearby at all sorts of different price points. And the, the general ambience of the place really allows people to get out there and train hard and, and get a lot of value out of the time they spend there. Um, so exposing it to a lot more shooters, I expect we'll probably see more use, uh, as the, you know, uh, as the, uh, years unfurl, because, uh, once you yeah. see it, you just look, you go, wow, this is a great resource, you know, and just like the other Easton centers, like, um, you know, the World Archery Excellence Center in Lausanne and the Easton Center in Newberry and, uh, and Yankton. So, um, I think that's a great no, opportunity there. You know, you're exactly right, George. It's one of the ideas of, of hosting it was just to get that more exposure, both with those international teams and all of those, obviously, all of the archers that say this is a this is a uh, a resource that they can they can come and, and use and rent and, and bring their team and, and train at at times, which, as you mentioned, many a number of countries have done. Uh, but also to get uh, also the local exposure. Uh, we still get people, you know, walking in there. We're open now three years uh, that. Well, I didn't know, didn't know this was here. We had the Chamber of Commerce and some folks in the other day try to, trying to really continue to expose it. So the other other real benefit is really that local exposure, too, to we'll get some press. We'll be on hopefully on the local news, other places where people can see it. And uh, we'll always be extending, as I will here on the podcast, you know, the invitation to come out and, and shoot at that center. Or if you're not an archer, to come out and, and try um, – but if you are, which I'm assuming more more people listening to this podcast are already considered themselves archers, uh, you know, it's the invitation or the challenge to, uh, you know, bring somebody. We look at our sport. Uh, we, we all know we, we love our sport. Everybody who gets involved with it and shoots whatever discipline they shoot, they, they love archery, the, the camaraderie, the great people, the fun of watching the arrow fly, everything they're doing. Uh, you know, the, the challenge really from a uh, – archery standpoint and a business standpoint is uh you know we need more people shooting we want we'd like to have more people doing i think as we mentioned earlier nast is doing their part uh, the easton foundation we've built these centers we're bringing people in from around around the area uh, so i think the easton foundation is kind of trying to do our part to get exposed i was just at the uh, first dakota uh classic up in yankton south dakota at the center you mentioned some of the kids that won their their divisions are local kids that got involved with archery through the center, uh, as we know, back when the Youth World Championships was there, the, one of the kids that was on the on the U.S. team uh, came out of Newberry, Florida, who started archery, and the center was built down there. So we're having that desired impact of getting people into the sport, and I'd, I'd throw that challenge out to out to all of the all of our archer friends out there that you know, getting an archery can can be tough, right? It may be intimidating. Anything else, especially if you're gonna if you're more of a bow hunter and you want to get people involved with 
with bow hunting is to uh, you know, take somebody, bring somebody shooting, bring them to an event, bring them to your range, bring them to your dealer, just stop in and say hi and, and show show a friend of yours what you're doing and see if you can get, get more people involved in the, and help out the, the sport that we all love so much. I kind of think of it as paying it forward from all the times that I had opportunities from people who guided me in the sport. So I try to do the same. It's it's a it's a great way to give back to the sport. Yes, for sure. Yeah, we just we think there's a there's always a lot of different opportunities to to do that or come volunteer or do things. So yeah, we just hope I hope people kind of get get involved with it more and uh, really you know I've, I've enjoyed uh, spending a lot of my time now traveling around to these different events to meet the people and see what's at these centers and other events and you know get a better feeling for what's working what's getting in people what's getting people in the door to try shooting what's keeping them engaged to uh, learn more about shooting and maybe buy some equipment and then get involved with the league or travel to shoot and and uh, really trying to put metrics around that so at least at our archery centers we can figure out what's working out well and yeah. the other thing that's exciting is i think about archery and just the potential we have i mean obviously the fourteen thousand kids coming through here i look as i look at as a potential but the other one is really just uh some of the things even the archery trade association is doing with uh helping archery shops develop their ability to address this this target crowd these these kids that today are are you know they want to shoot targets and, and expose themselves that way and uh really run their shops better run their range they created this thing called the e-pro software that a good friend at uh, archery headquarters there in arizona uh, randy phillips created uh, to help uh, organize your archery range and really turn so any dealers out there listening to how to you know how to turn your archery range into a into a full uh activated business center for you something that can generate some income for your shop to support your shop uh as opposed to kind of a, a lost leader and really when you when you think about it in a, in a big scheme i know the retailers have a lot of trouble these days all retailers in all segments not just archery but with amazon and direct selling and, and all those chances and what this software helps you i think more identify or or just even the programs that the archery trade association is running is that you really need to be said, I'm stealing this line from Randy Phyllis, but a retailer should help, should be make a big effort to sell the things online people can't. So an, uh, I've got a physical shop. I can have lanes. I can do coaching. I can run a league. I can fit people to archery gear. I can give advice. I can do all those things in person that is, uh, you know, some of that's impossible to get online. I can't buy range time. I can't go shoot online in a, in a range. I need to go someplace physical. So helping these guys focus on what they can do to differentiate themselves and then how to, how to make it a, a viable business to support archery because having those independent shops are all shops and having those shops out there that are a place that somebody decides I want to try archery or I'm going to take my friend to the archery shop. He, you know, having a good place to go, a place they can shoot, maybe even rent equipment so they don't have to buy the first day out. All that kind of stuff is, is great for our sport. And I think it's the, I think it's the right direction to, to bring those together so i kind of see a lot of these pieces coming together in the future you know not next year or the year after but in the future and, and excited about optimistic and excited about archery it sounds like a tremendous opportunity for a, a person who's engaged and in, in wanting to grow their business and um where can they learn more about the uh, the software from randy phillips is that something that's online or something they can yeah yeah it's at the it's on the archery trade association um website so um 
Well, it's okay. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll get that. Which is built into my website. I think it's archerytrade.org, I believe is the website. Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, you can, you can as, a, as anybody, consumer, you know, anybody, but you can learn more about that, the, the software and the programs they're offering. Obviously, attending the the, the uh, trade show in January is a great place because they, they have a big section where they, they, they lay out all the programs and show people how to do things. But uh, you're right, George. We, we really look for the opportunity to help help current dealers convert. And the other exciting thing is the number of new dealers, people that are got involved with NASP or however they got involved or started doing some coaching and maybe started teaching kids in their backyard or their garage. And next thing you know, they got a little space and uh, pretty soon they're, they're kind of an archery shooting center. Uh, I'm very excited about those that are out there because I think, again, that's what, um, you know, buying equipment can be uh, easy if you know what you want to buy online or something like that, but having a place to shoot and having a place to be trained and having a place to interact with other archers and compete, uh, we need physical spots for that. And so those folks that are doing that and making a real business venture out of it is very, very exciting. And, and I actually personally look for excited about those guys and look for ways to help them how I, how I can and support their efforts. Cause I think that's a, a real cornerstone in this, uh, foundation we're building to to build archery in the future yeah no doubt about that and you know randy's point about um giving people things that they can't get online that is really key but i would argue are that to a degree equipment is not something that you should just you know when you're getting started just go and 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 buy online i think you need that guidance that only others who are experienced can really give you that's I, I really sincerely believe that because every single case of someone I know that tried to do this on their own, they ended up spending twice, and that's discouraging. Oh, yeah. No. Well, absolutely, George. I, I would agree. I don't – you know, it's, it's best to go get fit. I think the, the challenge for the retailer and, you know, I, I would ask the, the consumer out there to say, you know, if you go into the retail shop, he's going to provide that service. I'm going to help you figure out which bow you want. I'm going to let you shoot it, try it, demo it. I'm going to help you set it up. I'm going to add a lot of value to you. Um, do that retailer a favor, and I would argue do yourself a favor, which helps keep that retailer around so you need them next time, is buy the bow there. You might be able to get it for 50 bucks less online, but then somebody's got to put it together and set it up for you. And if you bring it back, the smart retailers will try to charge you for that. So, um, you know, do, do yourself and that retailer a favor and, and buy it from the guy who's giving you the service and providing the opportunity for, to put your hands on it. And don't go save fifty bucks on Amazon just uh, just because you can. So, uh, yeah, you're right, George. They should they they need to get fitted. But there are people that'll get fitted and then go home and buy it. You know, try to buy it on their own, but still running still run into problems because they don't come set up and peep peep sites aren't often tied in and everything else that you need if you're shooting a compound. So, and uh, higher and the higher you go in the sport, the less likely it is you're going to find what you want on on your uh, mass market websites anyway. Uh, that becomes more right. specialty items that are for shops. All right. Well, Greg, um, one last time, I want to just recap the um, the opportunity for volunteers in Salt Lake City at the upcoming World Cup event, uh, June 17th. And um, where can they go again for that information? The uh, the easiest one would be esdf.org. That's, That's the Eastern the Sports Eastern Foundation. Yeah. Yeah. That's the Eastern Foundation, Eastern Sports Development Foundation, esdf.org. Um, and right there on the front page, there's a volunteer for the World Cup, and that'll take you to the World Cup page. And uh, then you can learn all about it, know the dates, and follow, keep following the links. And there's a place for what shifts we have open and what kind of jobs we're looking for. It's uh, all the way from, uh, yeah, any, any kind of job you'd want to do, and, and we'd, love to, we'd love to have that help. And 
and uh, get people out there. So you know, it's a, cool, it's a great opportunity, a tremendous opportunity for an archery fan to get up close and personal with uh, some of their heroes. I, I remember a, a story I saw on social media after one of the World Cups in Ogden, and the volunteer was just over the moon because he'd handed a water bottle to Kibo Bay or somebody, you know. And so there's right. those opportunities yeah. to get to get up there and, and really see what's happening behind the scenes and and uh, get a real taste for what it's like at the highest level. You might not be a good enough archer maybe to make an international team, but you can you can put on a volunteer shirt and you can get right in the middle of it. And, and, and I think that's also a great opportunity to learn as an archer um, what some of these top shooters do strategically. To, to deal with uh, the pressure of competition and and just what kind of people what you know that you run into from around the world it's it's just an awesome opportunity oh yeah it is and and I think it's like we said earlier something that keeps people interested in archery is uh, the folks in archery are, are are good people you know we've got whether it's the top star or somebody just getting started they they tend to want to help and exchange ideas and talk to you. Uh, we don't have any any stars that aren't aren't uh, friendly and want to have a picture taken or whatever whatever with the with their fans that are interested. And so it's a it's a great from that standpoint a great sport to be involved with. So it's fun to fun to fun to be fun to be part of it. You know, I, I've been around archery for such a long time. I never really, uh, I guess, formulated that. But you're absolutely right. I can't think of anybody in our sport that wouldn't be nice to a fan and wouldn't uh, take a moment for a selfie or a, an autograph. I think that's a tremendous point because uh, it, we still have a very approachable sport. And, um, yeah, I think that's oh, great. Yeah, as, you know, and you, as you know, too, George, I mean, it, like you said, it's an approachable sport and people and then even the sport itself. There's this, there's a definitely a certain amount of uh, decorum and uh, honor. I'd even call it integrity whatever it is from a shooting and scoring standpoint that people, uh, you know, they need to have that when they're coming into the sport, you come into the sport and you're, you're going to try to do things that aren't right. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to be able to be involved a long time. People will kind of, kind of push you out, but you got to have that right, that right attitude coming in. And I think that's why we end up with such a great, when you look at kind of the demographic of people involved with archery, they're just good folks. So yeah. it's, it's a, it's a great, great place to be. Well, thanks for that news about NBC sports covering the, uh, the Salt Lake leg. That's uh, that's a scoop there. Thank you. Oh, yeah. You're, you're welcome. I'm hoping it's public, so there it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, here it is on the Easton podcast first, and if you don't hear that's it, you'll right. know that Greg called back later and said, don't put that on. <laughs> don't put that in there, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Greg Easton, chairman of the Easton Foundations, and um, I just can't thank you enough for all the effort you're putting in and getting down there to NASP and doing all the other things you do to grow our sport. Thanks so much. Well, you're welcome, George, and thank you. I know you put a lot of effort into putting this podcast together, together, and tracking down people to uh, people to interview and that sort of thing. And I uh, appreciate the, your effort to kind of keep the keep the message out there and keep people interested in in archery and uh, and what uh, what you and your your guests have to say about archery. So thanks again for having me on. Always great to talk to Greg. He's he was on the road at NASP, as you heard, and um, you know that that NASP event, man, that's gotten big. Fifteen thousand kids and. 19,000 in that, uh, in that academic archer program. Pretty impressive. Yeah. I, uh, would not want to be running that tournament. That sounds like a lot. Yeah. It's a big job, uh, but they seem to be very smooth every year. By the way, did you hear that they voted on what Genesis arrow color they want? Um, I did not hear. I thought voting was still open for, yeah. uh, well, I, I mean, I think, I think we know who the, uh, let's just say we have the exit polls. 
It's looking we, like black. Front runner. Black is looking pretty strong. And yep. not and not yep. because they want it to look like a carbon arrow. Do you know why they want a black arrow? I do not. Well, it's because apparently um, they want to be able to see the arrow easier in the target. Ah. Because most of these kids aren't using optics, right? So I, I have to yeah, presume that they're yeah they're looking for a little more visibility of the arrow shaft in the arrow in the in the target butt, which works great if you're shooting in the gold. I'm not so sure that's so hot if you're not in the gold, but that's the right. that's the reason why the kids that have asked for black are saying that black is the way to go for the uh, the official Genesis arrow that Easton Very happens nice. to uh, Easton happens to support. So and uh, so you know I'm kind of excited. We're gonna have a lot of our friends uh, from around the world without having to travel too far to see them when the World Cup comes here to Salt Lake City. I know you're yeah, you're all about it. I'm pretty excited to shoot a world cup with my own car and my own bed and um yeah. you know at a, a field i've at least shot at a few times i mean i think i've probably spent more days shooting at the field in say china or antalya than i have shooting at the one in my own backyard yeah but i'll get a few practice sessions in there between now and then well i expect the home team advantage man yeah we'll see well, we'll see. you know i mean that's how it is so uh, anyway, I am uh, looking forward to, and I know you are looking forward to that uh, that uh, close to home World Cup. And uh, in spite of what you may have heard out there around the world politically, we are more than welcoming everybody that'll be here. We've got about six hundred people total um, that seem to be signed up so far. That's including support staff for the teams, uh, more than fifty countries. So this will this will be a great event. Looking forward to it. Yep, and I'll I'll uh, look forward later tonight to seeing how you shot as we record this uh, later today. And uh, shoot good, Steve. Enjoy Shanghai. Yeah, I guess by the time this drops, my uh, my qualification score will be old news. So yeah, and hopefully it'll be yeah. a good one. It'll be on. <laughs> hopefully on it'll Ian be a good Sale. one. I'm, I'm kind on... of look, excited to see what the uh, the new Korean teams do on the men's recurve side. I think that'll be fun. Well, they're not all that new really are they i mean no know. not new but uh not it's the 2017 edition i'll yeah. call it that and ojin hyuk apparently is uh is rocking he's doing well yep. gonna be fun to watch yes he will and uh our congratulations to mr o um i'm told that he's an expecting father which is awesome oh wow that's a I, life-changing experience i'm sure i have to uh give him a pat on the back yeah no doubt and yeah. uh im dong hyung is there of course and and uh just such such tremendous talent just between those two guys. And, of course, you know, you've got uh, the guy that shot 700 and, you know, another guy who's been consistently high in the European, in the, uh, in the Korean um, team events and the, you know, the, uh, the events they have around Korea. So uh, I'm sure this will be interesting. I'm also interested to see how the compounds go to see if they've kept up their momentum. So that'll be interesting. Always. All right, Steve. Well, thank you very much for joining us uh, at six seven fifteen in the morning in Shanghai. And uh, have a great day. Shoot good, buddy. And we'll see you. We'll see you on the flip side. All right. Thanks, George. We'll catch you later. All right. That will close out this Easton podcast with myself, George Techmachub, and Steve the Big Cat Anderson. And uh, this is end of show. <laughs>